Hey everybody, this is Martin, and welcome back to the Equestrian Performance Coaching Podcast. Thank you for joining me this week. Uh, this week, we've got a really interesting topic that I want to speak on, and that is flying changes. So most of my topics up until now with the podcast have centered around, you know, dealing with different aspects in our life. Last week, for example, was about expectations. We've had dealing with show nerves, dealing with how to manage our ego, things like that. But this week, I want to talk about a topic more specifically in the arena, and that's flying changes. And the reason why I want to talk about flying changes is because this is I've got several horses right now that I'm teaching the flying changes to, and so I really want to talk about it while some of these things, these experiences are fresh on my mind what I'm going through. So one of my big goals with this podcast is to really talk about things that are happening with me and my journey and hopefully be able to help you on your journey. So, you know, you may not have a horse right now that's ready for changes. Maybe you're showing training level or first level or whatever, but you always want to have in the back of your mind the flying change because it's really one of the most interesting and sometimes difficult movements to teach. Sometimes you get really lucky and you get a horse that just does them real naturally and they don't really find them difficult and they're clean and it's like, wow, when when you get that, just thank your lucky stars because it's really pretty few and far between in my experience that a horse just gets them real easy. Now, of course, you watch them in the pasture, and they do tempi changes, they, you know, whatever, they can do them real easy, but then you put the weight on, uh, on the horse's back, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, you add in the rider having the aid, and the horse having to understand the aids, and it becomes a whole different story. So, with flying changes, now, like I said, you may be at the point right now where basically you're schooling, maybe you have a younger horse or whatever, um, or an older horse, but, you know, you've just started dressage training. So you're showing or schooling, like, training or first level. And you might say to yourself, well, flying changes are third level, so I don't really need to worry too much about that. I'll I'll come back to this podcast in a year or two. Well, really, training the flying changes starts well before you actually ever ask for a flying change. Um, You know, I've really learned this through my experience that, once you start the flying changes, you better have done some really good prep work because it's that prep work that can either streamline the process or if you have not such good prep work, it can really elongate the process. So if you have a training level or first level horse right now, what what can you do in a way to start prepping the flying changes? Well, if you think about what is a flying change, It's basically a canter departure inside of the canter. So it makes sense that if we want to have good flying changes, so good canter departures inside of the canter, we probably need to create good canter departures going from a different gate into the canter. Okay, So this is how we can start to train flying changes, even on a four-year-old horse. For example, your trot canter transition, right there, you're already starting your, uh, you know, your preparation work for the flying change. 
here's a canter transition. Is the horse sharp to your aids? Does the horse stay together or do they run into the transition? Do they throw their neck up or do they stay round? So all these things, even with a younger horse, you already want to establish that A, they're really quick to your aids. So when you slide that outside leg back and scoop with that inside seat while they pop right into the canter. You want to make sure they stay balanced and they stay together. They don't run into the canter. And you want to make sure that they stay in a really good posture, that the contact stays pretty steady. It would make sense, right, that if you, say, do your trot canter transitions and the horse runs into it, or they're really behind your leg aids, or they stiffen, that there's a really good chance when you start to ask for flying changes that they're going to exhibit those same characteristics. So, the moral of the story there is, even with your young horses, three-year-old horses, four-year-old horses, be diligent from the start about the quality of the canter departs, because you're already trading the flying change that you may not ask for for another two years, but you're already starting that trading process. A good thing to keep in mind, just in general, is always, when you're, when you're trading your horses, always have the Grand Prix in mind, and this kind of goes along with that theme. You know, so when you're training your four-year-old horse, you're already thinking about well, what am I, what kind of reactivity will I need for the Grand Prix? What kind of contact? You know, all those things. Of course, your four-year-old horse will, will be piaffing and passaging and doing tuppy changes and pirouettes, but you're already starting to lay the foundation. Okay, so we we've established now trot canter is really, really important. From a young age, get the horse doing really good trot canter transitions. So those just become a way of life. It's not like, oh my god, I have to work so hard and do seven transitions to get a good one. No, you just get to the point where those, those you don't have to think twice about them. The horse doesn't think twice. Then the horse starts to get a bit stronger, and we move towards a second level work. Now we're talking walk, canter, canter, walk. We're talking simple changes. And for those of you that don't know what a simple change is, that's where you go canter to walk, and then walk to canter on the new lead. So, for example, left lead canter to walk, then walk a few strides, then pick up the right lead canter. So once again, these transitions are really prepping our flying changes, right? So the walk canter, is the horse straight? Is the horse really responsive to the aids? Is the horse powering into the into the canter from behind and staying good in their posture round in their neck? Once again, I can pretty much guarantee you that if your walk canters aren't good, if the horse is slow to your aids, really crooked, throws their neck up, that you're going to have those same issues in the flying change. One of the things I think that's really valuable to do in prepping the flying changes is to do really quick, simple changes. When you ride simple changes in a test, so say second level test three, you should really show about three strides of walk in between the two canters. However, when you do these simple changes pre prepping for a flying change, to me the goal is to have as little walk as possible. So if you could go say left lead canter, walk one stride, immediately right lead canter, that's really valuable in prepping for the flying changes. Because again, what you're looking for is this element of speed and reactivity. That the horse is, is so hot to the aids that you can go one stride to walk bab canter 
and again that it's light that it doesn't take a lot of work you're not shoving them into the canner because eventually basically the flying chain you're just going to take out that one stride of walk so you could do those flying changes or the, i'm sorry those simple changes in really quick uh, progression canter walk one stride canter canter walk one stride canter and by doing that you're already getting the horse thinking about being really quick to your aids and you're already well on your way to the flying change so with those transitions that's more kind of thinking of the longitudinal realm of course with our horses we know that there's always a longitudinal and a lateral realm so we also need to make sure that our horse is fairly straight and, and laterally adjustable so one of the things I like to do is uh, with my horses that are either doing flying changes or starting to learn them or you know just before learning them uh, just before I start the process is to do uh, leg yielding work so leg yielding them off the outside leg a little counter leg yield which is a little bit awkward but you counter flex them move them off the outside leg then you can go to true flexion move them off the inside leg when we do this exercise though as the horse starts to really respond to both legs and, and you know both reins and the different flexions they start to become very very laterally adjustable which we need for good flying changes if horses get a little bit stuck so say you go to do a left to right flying change and they're kind of stuck in left flexion their shoulders are to the right generally you're going to have a difficult time at at best they may do a clean change but it's going to be quite crooked and, and therefore flat oftentimes though when horses get real crooked they get kind of blocked behind and so that either you get a horse that doesn't do the change behind they just do it in front or they'll come in a strider too late so we have to be diligent that not only do we have our horses really hot to the aids so we can do really good preparatory transitions trot canter walk canter but that we also have a really good grasp on the horse's longitudinal adjustability so if you could put these two elements together in your preparation then i think you're going to have a really good chance at hopefully streamlining the process for for the flying changes that being said there's absolutely no guarantee you could do the best prep work in the world and the horse could still take a year and a half to get a consistent clean flying change both ways as I said the, the flying change it's just really one of the most interesting movements to teach because you just really don't know until you get in there you know teach you to shoulder in teach you to half pass teach you to walk trot transition it's all fairly straightforward you kind of know what the horse is going to do how they're going to react what their evasions are going to be and it's all fairly simple but with the flying change you really don't know until you dig in there you'll have some preconceived notions well the canter is a little slow by nature so i need to get the hind leg quicker or you know the horse wants to be a little heavier on this shoulder so this may happen the change but i've been completely fooled i've had horses that have such a slow hind leg by nature one of canter like hunters and they they did clean flying changes from the start and then i've got horses that have super quick hind legs really well balanced canters really easy canters to ride and they have a hard time figuring it out part of it too i think is just the, the coordination for the horse i think for some horses it just makes sense you know that that 
that catter transition inside the catter, it just, in their body and in their mind, it just makes sense. And then with other horses, it's, it's kind of an awkward thing, and they have to take a really long time to figure it out. I mean, I know I've had horses take over a year to get a fairly consistent change. I know Jenna has had the same experience. And I've got a few right now that are, that are taking a while, but you know, I'm starting to have some breakthroughs. And again, it's just the focus on keeping the canter short, keeping the canter compressed, making sure the transitions are really, really sharp and making sure that they're very straight. So whether you're on a horse right now that's kind of like second level approaching third, you're starting to work on the changes or you're riding your four-year-old and just starting to teach them real basic trot canter transitions, understand that you are preparing your horse for the, for the flying changes. No matter where your horse is at in their training, every day, every transition that you do, every straightening exercise that you do, you're training them for the flying changes. So I urge you to be really diligent. Always have the flying change in mind when you're doing the canter work because someday you will be teaching them to your horses. They're a fun exercise, and I tell you, once you get the flying changes, they're a blast. You start doing the tepees, it's, it's just a lot of fun. But the process of teaching the changes can be a little bit of an arduous one. But as with everything else in dressage, you just have to learn to enjoy the journey, right? It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And the one thing is that when you teach flying changes to horses, especially multiple horses, you learn a lot. You learn a lot about canter quality, you learn a lot about you know, not just what you need for the flying change, but what you need for the collected canter to be successful in general. So I wish you all the best of luck as you take your horses into the flying change experience. And as always, you can contact me at equestrianperformancecoaching at gmail.com if you have any questions. To find out more information about my coaching services, you can look me up at www.equestrianperformancecoaching.com. So I wish you all the best of luck with your riding. Keep prepping your horse for those flying changes. And hope you have a wonderful week and continue to step into your brilliance. Until next week, bye-bye.